Hi, welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. I am your host, Pastor Dave, sorry if I'm rude, Dot, and I'm with my other co-host, Pastor Will, uh, sorry for the sound of my Harley, and uh, we're here to talk to you about an interesting question, a question about vocation, and the question, is there ever a time when we are not? That is, can we ever take a break on what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be? So it's going to be a fun discussion. Just as we rocked through that introduction, we're going to rock through this topic, right, Will? I think so. Um, but probably before we, we do that, I would have to say that um, what you're going to get from us is just our ramblings um, and probably more thought-out thoughts from, from Pastor Ruda than myself. Um, I, this is the first time I've looked at all the material, so I'm just going to wing it. Um, and... Uh, um, so if you get offended, please, it's not our intent. Um, and if it's so offensive that you decide that you'd like to turn us off, that's fine. Um, but if you'd like to engage with the conversation, please reach out to us either at our congregations, give us a call, or you can reach, uh, the actual show, uh, email at, uh, casting nets pod at gmail.com. That'll get uh, either of us, uh, and we'll be able to, to get those notes or comments into the show. I do know that some of you are listening. We appreciate that you're listening, and uh, you have given us feedback as you walk into church. At least I've been receiving those feedbacks. And and so if there's things you'd like to talk about, topics that you'd like us to, to approach, um, by all means, throw them out, because we, we're here for you guys. I mean, this is just good information for us. We get to talk about things we normally don't talk about. And sometimes our people would like to have answers to questions that they normally don't get. So I think that's where I would like to go unless you have something else in the introduction. I have nothing else. That sounds great. Let's go. All right, and we are back. Um, we should probably begin our conversation um, with a little bit of an understanding of where we're coming from when we talk about vocation. And to do that, um, one of the best places to go, I would say, uh, would be um, to the small catechism. And uh, Luther, he, he tucks this little thing in the back, which unfortunately, I would say in most catechism classes, we, we kind of gloss over more than we should. And, and it's this little thing in the back of the catechism called the table of duties. Um, and, and I think it's a, a kind of a, a good idea for us maybe to, to maybe not read through it, but give the highlights of what he includes in the table of duties. I, I would certainly agree because the table of duty addresses the question for the Christian, uh, I'm saved, now what? Uh, why am I still here? If Jesus has died for my sins and God has done all the work of my salvation, if I'm saved by grace through faith alone, why am I still here? 
And Luther addresses that by talking about the table of duties. And a little bit of history behind that is uh, in Luther's day, there were different estates, were they not, Phil? Where you're talking about d- different orders that were considered more holier than the others. So you have your the clergy was the highest estate. You had your nobility, and you also had your peasants. But the clergy was always the highest one. Luther was revolutionary uh, in that he was looking at all of the things that we are called to do by God as if, they are holy estates, and that's where the table of duties uh, comes down on. Well, I, I would probably just add a caveat into the idea, because I don't know if our people understand the idea of an estate. Um, think of a caste system, I think, is probably the better way that we could rationalize what their thoughts were, that that um, you know you were born into a certain level, and, and that's kind of where you were. Um, and, and like you said, certain levels were better than other levels. Um, and, and even to the point and not to, to get sidetracked, but even to the point where, where monks were considered to be of a higher estate than, than, than the peasantry, um, or, or the farmer. Um, and so we do have this, this demographic shift in, in how, um, Luther really is approaching the callings, and we might call them today vocation, right, um, in the society in which he lives. And, and I, I'm not saying that what he, what he wrote down and what he says is new, because it's not. Everything it, he says is scripture. Yeah, that's the, that, that's the neat thing about uh, the table of duties, is that he lists all these different orders. And let's just you take your catechism out at wherever you are, or look it up online, and just look for the table of duties, and you'll see the categories are pastors, and you might think, well, that's the highest one. Well, it does preach the gospel, but it is not the most holiest one. Uh, all of these are on equal footing is the important thing. You have next, you have pastors and teachers. You have uh, citizens of government. You have husbands, wives, parents, children, employees, employers, young people, widows, and then a, a large category, a word for all. It's kind of summarizing the whole concept that he's talking about with the table of duties. But underneath all of them are just strictly his summaries of Bible passages or even quoting the Bible passages themselves. Right, and I and I would have to, I would say, to when you look at this, dear listener, um, and, and it's good, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that at least once a year a congregation should, should walk together lockstep through the catechism because I think it's a good review. Sometimes we do that through question and answer when when our kids are confirmed, but sometimes a congregation might need a maybe a series on it or something during the, the summer uh, where we take a look at the catechism. Anyway, um, when you look at the table of duties and you see these verses, don't, don't get it in your head that these are the only verses that talk about vocational callings and how we live uh, together in this world as a reflection of our Savior. What we're saying is, is and what, what Luther is saying is, here are some very clear examples to help get your head wrapped around that, that when you're freed in Christ, you're not freed from other people, you're freed to engage with other people. And I, I, think, I think that's really the, the important part of vocation. Yeah, exactly. The word for all at the very end of it, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we didn't know what that was, by the time we got to that point, we shouldn't. We should have gotten the point. Uh, we should have gotten the message that our na- we are here for our neighbor. And that's really the answer to the question of, if I'm saved, 
if uh, my salvation is secure through what Jesus has done, if God has done all of the work of bringing me to faith and will keep me in that faith through the means of grace, what am I here for? Why am I here on this planet? And the answer is to love your neighbor. Well, and I think I think that leads us into the idea of where we're going for today. And and okay, so my brain works in mysterious and wondrous ways as God has created it to perform. Um, but but here's how I make this connection to you know we made the statement the overarching question of today's podcast is there ever a time you're not, and and it might seem a little ambiguous and people are thinking where are they going with that, um, and and here's where we're going. Um, I think we live in a society of boxes. Um, and, and we live in this society of, of there's different boxes for the different things that I do. So in other words, if uh, just a, a quick example, okay, I'm father. Okay. Well, I'm only father when my kids are there. And then when they leave or when I'm at work, I'm not father or I'm husband, but I'm only husband when I'm at home interacting with my wife. Um, and then when I'm, when I come back to work or when I'm out at the bar, I'm not husband. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we, we start processing our, our lives in this concept of boxes, but it goes beyond that even. Uh, we, we process our own Christian lives in the concept of boxes. Um, I come to church on Sunday, I put on the I'm a Christian hat. Right then, we take it off, and and now the rest of the week is something different. Now, now you might look at this and say, I don't know if that's true, uh, uh, Pastor Harley. And I and I would say, just just follow me on this. I, I have a great example I had of a wonderful, wonderful Christian lady. Um, just just a, a a pleasure to behold her faith. Okay, she volunteered at church all the time, cooked for the church all the time. I mean, if there was a if there was a I know we haven't had them for a year, so we don't remember them. But if there was a fellowship opportunity where we had a potluck, she usually brought the most. I know, potlucks, what are those? That's another conversation for another time, probably. Anyway, as she, she was very, very, you know, amazing. Well, we would, she would come to Wednesday Bible studies for our ladies. And I, we, we got into a Bible study where we were talking about creation, and we are talking about creation and evolution and things like that, as, as, as we normally would and should in Bible study. And what happened was we were talking, and I asked the question, I said, so God created the world in, in, in how many days? She said six, just like everyone else in the Bible study. She raised her hand. She goes, Pastor, that's easy. God created the world in six days. And then I just said, how old are dinosaurs? Just a simple question, how old are dinosaurs? And she said, millions of years. And... I had to pause her and I said, did you understand what you just did? And she says, what are you talking about, Pastor? And I said, you, you, you stepped from the church box right into this other box and you did it so seamlessly, you didn't even know you did that. And she goes, well, one's science and one's, now I'm not trying to get us on that idea of Christian evolution, that's a different topic, but it's the idea of living in the boxes right? It's that idea of I'm this and I'm that, and they don't really communicate. I've, I've had that same sensation as a pastor. If you're going out and you're not looking like a pastor and you're talking with people and they, they suddenly think that you're a normal human being. And then you mention that you're a pastor. Then all of a sudden it just shifts uh, right away. They're like, no, no, this is who I am. I'm a pastor. And it's also a good reminder to me, no matter where I am, I'm still a pastor. Uh, even if I'm not functioning as a pastor, 
I'm still a pastor. If I am out with my friends, I am still a husband, even if at that moment I am not functioning as a husband, or I'm still a father, even though I'm not functioning as a father. So if my kids call me up while I'm out with my friends and I say, and they say, Dad, come get me, and I'm saying, well, I can't do that right now because I'm, I need my me time. Uh, then you are, I'm reminded that I am called to be their father, and that sometimes means that I have to uh, weigh a different vocation, my own myself, out of love for my neighbor. Well, and I think this uh, this leads us into into the appropriate direction where where I think we want to go, and and I, I I I think we need to ask the question maybe in a twofold way. Um, first of all, are there some vocations that we can turn off? Okay, so are there some callings, some some of those areas in the table of duties that that we can just say I'm not this and I can turn that off? And then and then followed up to that question is is depending if it's a yes or a no, is it the question of function versus call? And I know to our listener going to be like, I don't understand where you're going with that, but but that those are the two questions I think we need to maybe flush out here as we pursue this. And so that that first idea, are there any vocations that we can say we can shut off? And then is it a, a conversation depending on that answer between function versus call? I think there are some vocations that end. Uh, you're not always a husband. You're not always a wife. Uh, you're not always a pastor. You can say, I'm going to watch over my family better and be a better husband and better father by not being a pastor. Or uh, I, I'm going to, instead of being an employee, I'm going to be an employer. Or instead of being an employer, I'm going to be an employee. So can we turn it off? I think we think we can turn it off. We can turn off what we perceive maybe the uh, uh, the main duty of that function of that uh, vocation so you think uh, i'm a pastor so my pastor that means my pastor had on sunday preaching or teaching uh, god's word we might think we can turn that major point off but we're always going to be called to be a pastor as long as we hold that call we're still called to be a pastor we're, as long as we're married to somebody else we're still going to hold that uh, position as husband or a position as wife well, and I would say that, and and I and and okay, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, so you you've made the comment that that really maybe it doesn't turn off, but it can end. Um, let me just add a different caveat to this, and just sort of um, add a little wrinkle into that, throw a wrench into it. Um, so, okay, you're called to be pastor, right? Your 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 calling is to to be. Last pastor. time I checked. Last time you checked, um, you were you were called to be pastor. But you're not called to be pastor of St. John. You're called to be pastor of Emmanuel Shirley and in a pastor in Greenleaf. You're you're not called to be the pastor for every single church. So I think there there's in vocation there's also a specificity a specific, specificity. There we a good go. Point. Um, where where sometimes vocation is is designated to a point and purpose as opposed to an overarching idea. So, like, you're called to be father, but you're not called to be father to my kids. You're called to be father to your kids. And you're called to be a husband, but you're not called to be the husband to everybody, every woman out there. You're called to be the husband to your wife. Um, and, and I think those are very, 
very specific callings. And so there is a time where, where, and like I said, this is where my brain works in multifaceted ways. There's a time where you are still these things, but the functioning of those things isn't happening. Like, so I'm out in, I'm out in the community of Mishikot. That's where I live. And, and I'm called to serve a congregation in Maribel. Okay. Uh, so I'm serving, I'm, I'm out living in Mishikot. I walk down the street. Um, I'm not pastor. Am I, am I a pastor? Yes, but I am, I'm not pastor. If that makes any sense. So the people I interact with there, they know me by my name. They know me by, they might say, oh yeah, he is a pastor at such and such a church, but I'm not their pastor. They don't come to me with their problems. They don't come to me with with the request for spiritual guidance. Doesn't mean I'm not qualified to give it. It's just I'm not called to be their pastor. Um, so my function in that regard is limited, but my vocational calling still remains. And I think this is an excellent point because so oftentimes when we are reading materials about vocation and calling that's not Lutheran or confessional Lutheran in nature, it's always trying to pursue something greater than where you are. Like you've got to figure out, you've got 40 days to find your purpose-driven life, and you've got to figure out how you're going to give God glory, and you're never looking about where you are or the limit of what God has put you in. So you, now you're looking at, well, now I'm not just going to be the husband, but I'm going to write a blog about uh, to be the best husband. And I'm going to, that, that's where that's where I can best serve and use my gifts instead of being right where you are right now, that this is something good and holy for you to love your wife right now. Right. And and, and I think that's something that, that we need. And that's why, I like I said, I posed the question the way I did is because I think there's, there are vocational callings where we say, okay, you know, so, okay, take it outside of our realm and go to somebody who, who works down at the cheese factory, okay, in Denmark. And and they go in, they clock in, that's their call, right? That's their vocation. They're an employee, we would say, uh, in the table of duties. That's that's what they are. They have a, they have a calling to be um, as good as they can be, to, to follow the rules, to do what needs to be done, to work as hard as they can. Um, and, and their employer has a calling to be uh, one who is is looking out for them, you know, making sure that they get a fair wage, uh, making sure that their area of of work is 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 um, safe, um, that type of thing. Now, looking at that, when they clock out, are they still are they still a uh, employee of that company? Yes, they are, but but they're they don't take their work home with them and they're working on cheese and packaging cheese or doing whatever when they're at home. Now, now here's the reason that this comes into play, dear listener, and this is for us all, even for pastors. Um, people have a tendency to find themselves in the callings that they have and they prioritize callings over another. And so... Many of you maybe have been raised in a generation where dad worked all the time and you're in and and the husband found his the father found his importance within the family in the job that he performed outside of the house. In other words, my, that calling trumped 
every single one. And it happened in the ministry too. And I'm not I'm I'm not going to say that the ministers were were separated from this. There were many ministry families where where the father was absent from the home and and because my job trumps what my other calling is as father. Now, and now now I think in our day and age just to be fair, I think the pendulum has swung way off to the other side too. I, and 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 maybe maybe too much so where where they give up the the calling of what I'm doing outside of the home the calling of job um for the calling of family right and and they're embracing that so so there's this equal medium where where function and call right I there's never a time where I'm not a pastor because I hold a call to Maribel there's never a time that I'm not a husband because I'm always I, I I'm one flesh with her with my wife and I'm always that uh, there's never a time I'm not a father. Even, even if God forbid anything would happen with my children, I'm still a father, right? I, I was called to that. Now the function of that may not always be. There are times I do not function as a pastor um, because I'm not, I'm not at the church or I'm not talking with my members. There is a time that I don't function as a husband, not because I don't care, but because my wife's not in contact with me. That doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not thinking about her. But but I'm not I'm not actively engaged in the function as as a husband. If I would just clarify what you said, we are always balancing all of our different callings in life, and and sometimes there is a it swings too far where we think one is more important than the other. But there, we're always making decisions one over the other, and what is going to determine which one is more important is basically not our strengths or not our desires, but what is needed right now for our neighbor. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree that, well, but that, that goes back into the, and, and this is the beauty of, of the table of duties. The table of duties are found at the very end after law and gospel has been pronounced, grace is given, and here is who you are now in Christ. So now that you are, you are found in Christ, saved by his blood, made new through, through, through the rebirth and washing of baptism, what do what are we freed to do and and i think that that becomes part of the debate of um christian freedom is not a freedom from it's a freedom to and and i think we have confused that in our in and in, in everything we've confused it in the united states we've confused it in 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 our culture today that we believe freedom is freedom for me to do what i want and and really freedom is freedom for me to serve and engage with my neighbor to, to freedom to do what is best for them. And and if we were all, and like, okay, perfect world, if we were all doing that, there wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, just talk about marriage. Uh, that was an open-ended question. Um, <laughs> talk just Let's just talk about marriage. You know, marriage would be great if husbands did what the Lord has freed them to do, which is to love their wives and to be Christ for them, and to present them as holy and blameless, and and um, and and to be the pronouncers of forgiveness within the family. The marriage would be wonderful and perfect if the wife respected and obeyed her husband and encouraged her in, or encouraged him in that way to embrace what it is that God has created him to be. Just now, wanted to clarify: husbands aren't the only one that can pronounce forgiveness in the family. No, that's absolutely not what you're not. saying. You're just saying in his role as the spiritual head of the household, he wants to make sure that confession and absolution is something that's done. Right, right. 
through whoever's voice, it's still done. Um, now, if that were, and, and, and again, I'm not saying that wives are subservient to husbands. I'm just saying as the calling of, of a wife is to uh, uh, respect and obey um, the head of the spiritual head of the house. Now, if they're working in tandem and they're working in the way that God has intended it to be, guess what? It works. Because she is she is more than willing and wanting to to not only obey but respect her husband because he is living for her and he is engaging with her and he is forgiving her and forgiving the children and pronouncing this wonderful good news. But what happens most often is the husband says, I want, I want, I want, and you des- and I deserve, and I deserve, and so he becomes selfish. And, and then the opposite happens where the, the wife says, but I deserve, and I deserve, and why doesn't he treat me like... And, and now we have the problem that sin entered into this whole entire mess. You know, when uh, my wife and I were looking at uh, marriage books, there was one book that we were reading that really opened my eyes and really helped our our marriage is so that we see this as a good thing is the idea of as Christ loved the church. So a husband is saying, whenever there is a feud between my wife and myself, I look at that and say, whenever there's a feud between me and God, guess who moves first? Not me. Christ does. And so if there is something, if there is something going on in the family, if there's a, if the kids aren't getting along with mom or if uh, my wife and I are, are just at odds with one another, Guess who moves first? Uh, the husband. And then he comes in and says, well, if there's a sin that I need to confess, I'm going to confess it. If there's something that somebody else needs to confess, then I need to, to make an action. Our My natural tendency as a, as a man is just to disengage and say, well, it's all their problems. It's not about me. Uh, it's their fault. They've got a flaw. They've done something wrong. They better come to me and, and confess their sins first. But to look at it in terms of this is how Christ loves me, is that he moves first. Uh, so just another illustration for you is when the vocation is working as it should, as we're loving our neighbor, it's actually a good thing uh, in the world. If you're working in the cheese factory and you're doing the be- your job as best as you can and you are um, uh, doing it to the glory of God and for the good of your neighbor, for your boss, uh, who's also your neighbor, just think of how well that that business is going to run. The cheese factory is going to run. And, and I and you know this is if you're if you're sitting at home listening to this and you're thinking to yourself because we sat here and thought to ourselves this is hard. And 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 if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I like this. Um, now you understand the comment, dear listener. If you've ever been around me in church and we've gotten to this conversation, I've said my job would be great if I didn't have to deal with people. Um. Now you understand what I mean by this, because because the idea of our vocation in the world, in the in the life in the life in which we live, is to deal with people. That is what God frees us to do. And so there's never a time, coming back to that initial question and statement, there's never a time when we are not all of these things. But now I would say that the, coming down to brass tacks. There is a most important calling and vocation that there is a time that we we are always this, no matter what situation we're in. Yeah, and that is a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> to put it, he, he doesn't like the lead up. He just wanted to get that out. <laughs> it's being a Christian, guys. Yeah. Let's let's flesh that out though a little bit. What is it? I mean, to, to okay, so we live in a society where where being a Christian seems to be. 
um, labeled as more of a like an external tag than an internal reality. Does that make sense? I, I yeah. The, uh, is the is the fact that you are saved by grace alone that you are you are a believer in Christ that you are a child of God is that fueling what you're doing rather than oh this is something else uh, that I have is that and the the doctrine of vocation opens our eyes to see that our Christian faith which God has worked in us uh, through the through the means of grace and through through the power of the Holy Spirit is what fuels so much of our lives. That's what helps us to love our neighbor, to do the hard things. That's what helps us, that moves us to love our wives or to love our husbands or to uh, love our boss or love our employees is who we are as a Christian. And you cannot turn that off. And, and, and I, and, and I, I think like I, and you're right. It, it, it's where's the fuel coming from. But I think it comes back down to to just a difference in in where we are viewing ourselves in society in which we live. <clears throat> we view ourselves in a society in which we live where where like you said we we go back to the boxes, right? And and Christianity literally becomes a box in which we we sometimes visit. Um, you know, I've heard it said before, you know, our our faith becomes like a raincoat when we need it, we put it on and when it's a beautiful day outside, we put it we hang it up in the closet. Um and and I just I, I struggle with this in the sense of um, we have in the society in which we live in the world in which we find ourselves and I'm not I'm not saying everywhere but definitely in the United States Christianity has become a passe fad they've looked at it and the churches the 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 church is devoid of Christ and I say that. Not because it's the 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 church is devoid of Christ everywhere. I'm saying that because it seems that way so often in the United States <clears throat> that that um, you have the hollow show, right? Uh, the, this hollowness of of um, what's going on in the world, and 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 you and then all of a sudden the church comes in and says, "Well, believe and do this," and everything. I'm sorry. There's there's Christian, there's more to Christianity than just believe and do this. There's more to Christianity than, than um, um, just saying, okay, here's your list of rules. Follow these list of rules. And, and, and I like how you're saying it's the motivation and the fuel of what's inside because we come back down to the Pharisee uh, in, in the scriptures. And the Pharisee lived, they would have been great neighbors, right? They they would have they they would have been good people. They would have they would have paid the ninety five dollars for every treatment to have their their lots uh, sprayed so that they weren't spreading weeds into the other person's neighbor uh, yard. They they wouldn't let their dog outside and poop on someone else's lawn. Um, they I mean this is they would be great people. But but what is what does Jesus call them? A brood of vipers. He calls them whitewashed tombs. Um, why? And, and I think it comes back down to what was inside, what drove them in life in all aspects was empty. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to forget uh, that we are a Christian when we are, maybe when we're out with our friends or when we are on social media, when we are reading what uh, other people are writing or other people are sharing. That is one area where we can forget who we are as a Christian, that we are called to be different, that we're called not to, in our anger, to sin, 
not to uh, the our man's anger does not produce a life that he uh, that the Lord requires. James one talks about that, or Paul writing in Ephesians four talking about uh, our conversations should always be building one another up rather than tearing one another down. We forget that, and then as we're on the um, the the internet, which has incidentally our social media is really uh, designed to make us mad. Uh, have you watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma? I don't have Netflix, but I did listen to a podcast that talked about it. So I guess this is, a, what, a third source. But the podcast I listened to was called Five to Thrive, which is uh, put out by two professors from Wisconsin Lutheran College. And one of the professors, Dr. Uh, Rhoda Wohl, and the other professor is Professor Marty Miller, who happens to be my cousin. So they analyzed uh, and they talked about this uh, social dilemma documentary, which was put out by people who were heavily engaged in Google and Twitter and Facebook, social media, essentially. And they were saying that social media is really designed uh, to generate revenue. And in order to generate revenue, it needs you to be engaged in social media. So how is it going to engage you in social media? Well, it's going to make sure that things that piss you off are on there or things that make you upset so that you'll go back to that uh, in the, the social media and look at it. So you, you, and it's reprogramming our brains. It's reprogramming our brains that this is uh, what I need to be looking at right now. I need to be engaged and, and find out what's the latest thing that just happened so that I can be upset about it without realizing that our opinions are being assigned to us through social media so that we're upset so that drives ad revenue. So all of these uh uh, people who are working with uh, social media, whether it be Google or Facebook or Twitter, I, I don't remember what their names were, but uh, Dr. Wool in the, in the podcast talked about, yeah, it's not really intended their goal to rewire our brains, but that's actually what's happening in order to uh, um, in order to generate revenue. And our young people, it's affecting them that what is their where are they finding their worth? Where are they finding? Uh, their value as an individual. Well, years ago, uh, Dr. Wolves talked about this, and she said years ago it was family and faith. That was in the top three. Now it's in the top six. What's number one is how others view my accomplishments. And that's where people are getting their identity. So it's a reminder to me that we're always Christians. We are always uh, called by God to live a different life than those around us. And we are are in the midst, not to say that we shouldn't be looking at social media, but we are in the midst of those that are not, that does not have the same agenda as we do. And I would, and, and I'm going to piggyback off of what all the things that you're saying, because I, I think you made a really good transition into, into the brass tacks of today's society. So we've, we've talked about callings. We've talked about vocations and some of you are saying, you know, that's not new. I'm glad we had a, a, a good rehearse of it. Now, we've come down to the fact that we are always Christian and that we are always all of these vocational callings that we are, okay? We might not function in them every day, all the time, but we are still them. They're, they're still who we are. And most importantly, we are Christians, and, and Christians, we function in that realm all the time. That is that is one of the major callings of Christianity. Now, that being said, coming to the social media issue, um, some of the articles that that you sent to me and said I had to read, um, <laughs> and so I did. So, I gave him an assignment, listeners. So, so I I did actually prepare something. I mean, it was like it's like 
the greatest procrastinator the night before. <laughs> um, but no, so I did look at this, and one of the one of the articles I think um, was very very telling, and and I and just so you don't have to go and read it. One of the gists of it was that that technology, social media, allows for us to produce our own narrative. Um, and 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 in re, in regard to that, I want to read uh, just a portion of a book um, because I do read actual books. Um, and it's a book called On the Road with St. Augustine, uh, A Real World Spirituality for Restless Hearts, and it's by uh, James Smith. And and he has a section in, in one of his chapters that's called Story. And I'm just going to read uh, just two portions of it because I think it frames what what we're talking about. And, and he says, our longing for an identity is bound up with finding a story. So I think this is what this is what social media affords. It, 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 it scrubs what it is that God is saying in many ways, right? This is who you are finding your center in me. And it now allows us to try to find our center in a reproduction of a story. But he goes on and he says, it's the hunger for an orientating narrative that our culture industries tap into whatever it is it's disney hbo hgtv instagram they're all myth making which is just to say they're offering scripts we can live into and i thought that was kind of a telling thing because because it's going back to what you were saying where where social media is not social media and this 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 new identity is not giving us choice what it is, is it's producing a paradox, almost a, a paradoxical effect, you might say, of the illusion of choice being bound in the paradigm that they want us to be in. And, and it's moving us away from the actual callings that we are. But here's where it gets even worse. The personas, they call them avatars, the personas that we have on our social media are us. And I think that's the scariest thing. And, and, and so follow me on this just, just a little bit. And, and, and maybe you are one of these people um, that, that this has happened to, where, where you just had it, you, just, you don't like the person you are becoming or like the person that you were seeing, and you said, I have to get off of Instagram. I had to get off of Snapchat. I had to get off of Facebook. I had to stop watching or viewing Twitter. Um, I, I'm sorry, dear listener. You are that person. It, it didn't produce in you someone that wasn't there before. What it did is it highlighted, again, a person that you are and now engaged its function. And, and, and I hate to say it that way, but that's what you're saying. Social media does. It engages the function. So you, I don't even know if, can we use the word pissed off on, you did, so I'm going to. <laughs> so, so, you know, the, it's engaging the function of fight or flight. When, when someone aggravates you and purposely aggravates you, it's the intent to engage the function of fight or flight. Okay. It's intent is for you to react. How you react is you. So if you lash out irrationally and you start writing a bunch of all this different stuff, that's the point. Yeah. You, you haven't changed. Oh, that's just me on face. No, that's you. And if you don't have a face behind it and you're not talking with them where someone could actually punch you right in the nose, that's what you would have said. And you felt comfortable in saying it because you had this sense of anonymity where, where someone really, you know, if I don't like their comment, I'll just hit delete and not focus on their comment. 
But you know, this is so. So what I'm saying is that the the, the problem that we have with social media, and and coming back down to our overarching question is, I I personally don't believe there's ever a time that the persona that you're making on Facebook, Instagram, all these other ones is not you. They are you. They're just a different portion of you, as opposed to the whole. And they're at a portion that is usually less Christian. <laughs> yeah, we we are always doing that, no matter what whether we're on social media or not, but social media allows us to be, what would you say, the greater, you know, if I'm a little bit upset in person or I get a little bit angry, I can be really angry on social media because I don't have the repercussions of being face-to-face where I don't have that uh, the curb of my own conscience saying, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't talk to Will that way. You should probably kind of tone your voice down and not... Uh, not do that but on social media you can add all the explanation points and put everything in capital letters as much as you want uh you can use all the snarky uh sarcasm as you want without realizing maybe this isn't really being effective maybe uh the way that i'm doing this is just making me feel better not actually engaging with people uh, and talking about real issues and 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 this is where i'm going to say and i'm not trying to lead us off topic because i'm really enjoying actually this conversation um but but this is where i would say that that one of the greatest vocational callings second to being christian and, and okay so if i was going to order and here's my order of vocational callings christian husband and wife or wife right. spouse or wife i should say yeah so spouse parent and then Job, so whatever your job is. But then right after that, I would say wordsmith. And I know some people are like, what's a wordsmith? A person who actually knows what words mean and uses them appropriately. And the reason I say that is because if that's not part of your actual everyday vocational calling to understand how am I using language, you are just causing trouble. And that's sort of what, what we're seeing. And in, in, in words mean things. Words express things. And in fact, I'm going to even go so far as to say words create. And words can destroy. And we see it definitely in our Lord and Savior, right? His words create and his words can destroy. But, but we are imitations of that. And, and on a much smaller scale, our words can create and our words can destroy. And Proverbs talk about that. Absolutely, James talks about that. How it's uh how the the things from our mouth is is a roaring fire, right? Um, and that that can go unchecked and and burn everything down. Um, but here's 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 the point. There's never a time when the opinion that you shared online isn't your opinion. It, it still is. Now, that brings up another idea that we need to maybe talk about is. The authenticity of that person. And so, you know, sometimes we'll put in the tag, uh, uh, you know, that's not me IRL in real life. But it really is. And, and I think this is where we're coming down to and how careful we have to be in, in, in making sure that we present ourselves how we actually are in all areas. Now, now I agree, there's, there's people grow. And, and authenticity is realizing that we have growth. But I, I, I believe that social media prohibits growth. Just because everything is saved from 20 years ago. Imagine, I, I can't imagine what my life would be 
if everything I did when I was in high school was on the internet. Well, absolutely. I am a very sarcastic person, and I was learning how to control that in high school, but I was not very good. And so if you can imagine me being the sarcastic person that I normally am now, but it's contained, imagine what I was in high school when it was uncontained and, and, and how many times I might have hurt somebody because of my sarcastic comment. If that haunted me, I wouldn't be eligible for the ministry. But, but that's growth, right? There's, a, there's forgiveness. There is, there is growth as God brings us to a new uh, understanding uh, not only of ourself, but creates in us to say, I'm going to work with, with who you are to do my purpose in the world and so that you can engage with others. Um, not me necessarily, but it's God working through me to do these things. Um, but, I, but, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Social media prohibits that growth because it never goes away. I, I liked uh, the, this, uh, this train of thought, just uh, thinking of being the authentic person that you are. Yes, you're not always going to share everything about your life because you wouldn't do that in real life too, but just a, an encouragement from us to think to rethink your persona online because that really is you uh, online. When you're sharing that uh, meme that uh, tears down a government official because it makes you look smart and somebody else look dumb, that really is you. That's, the, that's your selfish heart being manifested. That's your, that's your selfish heart thinking, I'm so smart and my neighbor is so dumb. And to rethink your your identity on social media. How can I love my neighbor on social media instead of how can I assert myself over my neighbor? And that is completely, that's where, that's where Christians are. That's where we should be living as Christians on social media. I'm not saying we shouldn't be on social media, but we should be recognizing that on social media, it's designed to get us upset at each other. It's designed to get us mad. It's it. That's what gets us back on on social media. That's what uh, leads us to pick up a phone when there's a, a beep or the banner going across. But let's not fo- f- let's not fall to that and re- remember who we are. We are Christian as we pick up that phone. How can I love my neighbor, or how can I, in my vocation as citizen? How can I honor and respect those who have been placed in authority? And, and, and following that, the comments that you make, I mean, think about it. I mean, we go online and we, we, we say things online, some of us, say things online that we never would have said in person. Um, you know, there was a, back when I was growing up, my parents used to always tell me, they would say, if you couldn't say it in front of Jesus, maybe you shouldn't say it at all. And and I would say that still applies. If you wouldn't say it in front of Jesus, you shouldn't say it at all. But I would also say, when it comes to social media, if you wouldn't say it to someone face-to-face, don't say it. Don't write it. If you are not willing to have that person in front of you and say what you're saying, in front of them to engage in a in real life conversation then don't say it because because this is this is what it means to be this is what it means to really vote, to to embrace what we are doing and, and what we are 
you know, okay, so you call yourself a Christian. What does that mean? That means that the things that are coming out of our mouth should be edifying and building up. They should be things that are engaging. And and sometimes does that mean do we say hard things? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes we have to say things that are not going to be all that loving. Uh, that's wrong. Not all that perceived as loving. Yes. It won't be perceived as loving because it's, it's tough love. But, you know, the snide comment of, of, of ridiculing someone else for what they're doing. Is that, is that really loving? Is that tough love? Or is that just, you wanted to be a snot? Um, sometimes Can you say snot on the podcast. I, I curbed what I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I think it's one of those things that, that I think we as, we as Christians, you know, okay. So We've talked about vaccines here on the show. We've talked about uh, other stuff, but let's just go back to that just just because it's it was fresh in my mind. You know, we talked about vaccines. Typing on 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 the computer something purposefully diversive about a vaccine just because you don't feel comfortable about it. You know it's going to start a fight. And would you have done that? Would you've walked into the church, sat down in front of somebody and said, "You know that vaccine?" and start and that person just took it. Would would you have done that in person? There are some people who would. Right. But, right. But your question is, yeah, your point is is the idea of loving your neighbor. Uh, is that really loving our neighbor? Are we deride or are we making fun of our neighbor because they're not as intelligent as we are or that we perceive ourselves to be? Or or are we using this medium in the back, in the exact same way as the people that we we are criticizing, except it's okay because we're right, or we perceive ourselves to be right. Uh, maybe a little bit off the topic of what we're we're talking about of of who we are, but but I think it in in the roundabout way it comes back down to to the reality that we are sinners, and that's also who we are, and and sin is manifesting itself in everything that we're doing when we when we put one vocation over another one calling over another that's sin that's sin enacting in our life saying saying i can grade these vocations and say my vocation as employer or as employee i go i bring home the check i come home and i can sit on the couch no no that that's my sinful nature that says see i've already put in the work but but there's so much more to engage with as as the new man that God has given to me, and my sinful nature kicks at that and says, "You've done enough." Um, no, that that that's not a thing. I'm still as I'm still needed to be the father. I'm still needed to be the the husband. Um, now, on the flip side, even in the in the social media aspect, you know, my sinful nature says I want to be snarky. My sinful nature says I want to be sarcastic. My sinful nature says I want to lash out and put this comment in there and put them in that place. But is that going to be edifying and building up of 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 the community? Is that really going to help? Um, is that really going to to change the narrative, or is it going to play into the existing narrative? Right, that existing narrative that has been presented, which is we want to sell, and so we want derision, we want division, we want anger, we want people to be emotionally charged. Where am I called as the Christian that I am? to fall into this and what am I called to do? Yeah, our self-worth is not found in how smart we portray ourselves to be. Our self-worth is found in Christ. Uh, we read in Colossians, 
Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Our lives that we're living here on earth, are we're, we're given a calling by God so that we can love our neighbor, and we get to, uh, how did you say that, participate with Christ or engage with Christ or uh, be God's masks in this world um, this is our calling, whether we are husband or father, whether we're a pastor, whether we're employer, employee, whether we are at the bar or at, at home, or whether we are online, we are called. And that uh, calling from God doesn't stop, no matter where we are. Our functions may stop. We may at one point say, well, at this moment, I'm not quite functioning as a father, but I'm still called to be a father. Uh, at this moment, I may not be called and may not be functioning as an employer or an employee, but I'm still called to be those things. I was trying to wrap it up, Will. So well, I figured I, you I, were I trying it, to finished, wrap it up. I finished I, it. Now you have to wrap it up. So. Well, you know, I was looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I probably could have started the music at that point. And then I said, <laughs> you know, it would make him really feel uncomfortable if I didn't, because then he's like, well, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> but this is the vocational calling that I've been given, and that is called Thorn. Thorn <laughs> in the Flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, uh, once again, um, realize that that what we're saying here today is not is not giving you here do this, do that, do this. It is just engaging with the fact that as Christians, we are so richly and wonderfully blessed to be free to engage with our Lord and engage with the world around us, and and we are not going to do it perfectly you know, most of the time we're really going to suck at it. It's going to be bad, but that's also the blessing of recognizing forgiveness is mine. Forgiveness is yours. And unlike social media, God wipes it away and he remembers it no more because of Christ. And we get to be reformed into the better version of us. Um, there's always a, a version two point something coming around the bend, um, and and that's because of Christ. And, and I think that's the important part of this whole entire idea is we are these things, we are all of these things, but yet we are also Christians found in Christ, and that makes us different. <laughs>